Hello and welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. This is our 60th episode and it is also our 2022 year in review. So uh, if you're listening and you've been listening for a while, thank you for sticking with the podcast for 60 episodes and happy to have you joining us on our year end wrap up episode. Um, over the course of the next hour or so, some of our favorite podcasts have returned to talk about some of their favorite releases of the year, whether that's an album, a song. Uh, an EP. We're also going to cover uh, the year's biggest music moments. We're going to talk a little bit about albums that are celebrating birthdays. So we've got a lot of fun planned for you in this uh, very, very special episode of Here I Gets Drunk. So um, let's just jump right in, shall we? Come on. Why why leave everybody in suspense? Uh, what an incredible year for music this has been. Um, I myself have been personally very impressed with the caliber of music and songwriting and uh you know lyricism that the the year's biggest artists have churned out and we saw huge releases from some major heavy hitters in the industry as well um but on top of all of that you know it wasn't just big albums or songs that were released there were these big events and moments that happened in music. So um, I've put together a few of the ones that, you know, tend to come to mind when I think about this past year in review. First off, got to talk about uh, a couple of the biggest songs that we heard on TikTok or on Instagram. For me, that was Lizzo's About Damn Time and uh, Unholy by Sam Smith and Kim Petras. And uh, the latter of which was released not too, too long ago, but I just feel like as soon as Sam Smith posted that little snippet online it just went crazy and I saw that shit everywhere going back to Lizzo for a moment about damn time that song was just such a jam from the moment I saw the music video when it first got released I knew that that was going to be a hit and I mean like Lizzo is already such an incredibly talented artist and um, she just makes the most fun uplifting and positive uh and, and just honestly dance worthy beats um that i've ever heard so um all all very happy for the success of these two songs and also a a good return i think for both you know like lizzo was touring she took a little bit of a breather after her her first album and now with the second album coming back called special she really just you know came out with a bang which i think is amazing and the same go same goes for someone like uh sam smith um and kim petris as well i haven't really heard any new releases from them in a while so it was really great for them to come back and release this this killer kind of dark and grungy dance tune uh i really love it i feel like it shows a different side of sam smith versus the sam Smith that we remember with like I'm not the only one and stay with me even you know we got to see hints of it when uh, Sam Smith partnered up with Disclosure for the song Latch. I feel like that's when I was really like, oh, he can do he can do some techno stuff. He can do some um, EDM stuff and, I, and I'm living for it. So those two songs, probably never going to be able to get them out of my head, to be honest. Um, speaking of songs that are hard to get out of your head, I would say Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush had a, everyone in a major chokehold this year. Whether you watched Stranger Things or not, I know that the song was very prevalent in the most recent season of the Netflix show. Um, you heard it like you heard it on social media the radio picked it up again I believe it you know put Kate Kate Bush back on uh, the top of the charts we did it we actually did an episode on it um, one of the episodes of our uh, take a shot series on this entire song and just the revitalization of Kate Bush's career which is uh, which is incredible and it introduced a whole new age of music fans to uh, this 
really talented British artist. So um, again, just happy for her success, happy that this has become such a huge song for the year and uh, definitely an earworm at that. In terms of uh, live music, we also had some amazing events. So Shania Twain joined Harry Styles at Coachella to perform her hit, Man, I Feel Like a Woman. This was one of my favorite music moments because Harry Styles is probably the biggest superstar of the year. Um, and for him to bring out Shania, who, again, was was a superstar uh, in, the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, still is, still is by many accounts. But, you know, she has an incredible songwriting set of skills as well. And I love that a song that is about, you know, female empowerment um, was performed in conjunction with somebody like Harry Styles. I felt it was such a, a powerful moment in general and just really fun. I, I love that they coordinated their outfits. The crowd just lost it when they saw Shania come up through the stage and perform this. As soon as you hear that beginning, dun, 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 you just you just know good shit is about to go down. So I thought Harry Styles put on an amazing um, couple Coachella weekends. And he also brought Lizzo out too. So amazing that he's supporting uh, these incredible female artists as well. Also had to mention the halftime show of uh, 2022 was um, Dr. Dre, and he brought out big, big heavy hitters from the industry like Eminem, 50 Cent, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, Snoop Dogg, just to name a few. Um, That was really fun to watch. I feel like, you know, while these artists might not be my favorite personally um i found that era of rap when i was growing up i I couldn't really resonate with um i I couldn't really relate to it i guess that's a better way for me to put it so uh hip-hop and r&b in the early 2000s um I, i i don't have a lot of core memories with that but hearing the big hits you know like i think 50 cent did uh was in the club i was like what is that song called did it in the club and i we heard lose yourself and i i think it was a a great representation of uh, those artists and uh, a really nostalgic trip for, um, you know, people my age and and a little bit older. So absolutely loved the halftime show this year. And I'm very excited, uh, by the way, for 2023 when Rihanna does the Super Bowl. I'm very pumped about this this news. And finally, on um, a bit of a sadder note, I do want to touch on probably my number one favorite music moment of the year, which was very bittersweet. We did an episode on this uh, on the podcast as well with uh, my good friend Farah, um, Taylor Hawkins, the uh, incredibly talented drummer of the Foo Fighters, passed away this year. And um, the Foo Fighters, in his honor, put on two shows, one at uh, Wembley in London and then one in Los Angeles. I, I can't remember what the name of the venue was called. Um, but at their Wembley show, they had... Uh, Shane Hawkins, Taylor Hawkins' son, who I believe is, you know, 15, 16 years old, come out and play with the Foo Fighters and they perform the song My Hero to kind of end the night. And it was just, I imagine like all of the things that Shane Hawkins must have been feeling, missing his dad, playing with his old bandmates, playing a song that truly needs that like really guttural, heart-wrenching drum beat in the background. Like it just... I was moved to tears by that moment. It was so special. And um, I really like, I can't wait to see what Shane Hawkins does in the future. I, I think he's so talented. And, you know, um, I, I just love that he represented his dad through music in such a beautiful way. That was 100% far and away the the best the best video I saw this year. And oh my gosh, I can't even imagine if I was there in person, uh, how, how emotional that would be. That, that whole night, that whole tribute to 
uh, Taylor Hawkins that the Foo Fighters did, both of them, mind you, were just incredibly emotional. And um, I, I thought that was the best way that they could have, um, you know, kept him, kept his spirit alive. And we miss you, Taylor. We love you. Okay, so this is the part of the year-end wrap-up episode that always makes us feel a little bit on the old side, but I did want to talk about some of the albums that are celebrating big, big birthdays in the year 2023. Um, As I was going through this list, I definitely made myself feel very old but we're gonna go through it anyways we're gonna talk about it um first up we're gonna talk about some of the albums that turned 10 in 2023 um one the the very first one that i I looked up was very close to my heart also uh, an album that we've done on the pod before which was modern vampires of the city by vampire vampire weekend and i have very distinct memories of listening to this album when i was in university the song step is still like probably in my like top 30 song list of all times and you've got like of all time of all times Kiara's already drinking and she's already slurring Diane Young such an amazing single off that record Young Lion a perfect way to like close out the album oh the artwork everything about that album everything about what Ezra Koenig does in what he did in 2013 was perfection um and speaking of perfection one of the biggest albums to ever come from the Arctic Monkeys AM turns 10 in 2023 arguably my favorite Arctic Monkeys record. They did release a new record this year called The Car, I believe. And oh man, that album is great. That's very much in the same vein as the AM record, but I this record is holds a very, very close place to my heart. I would say Why'd You Only Call Me When You're High? Um, oh my God, what's that other one that I really love? Number One Party Anthem. Number One Party Anthem is probably my favorite off that record. Just again, Alex Turner. Oh my God, the whole, the sexual charisma he had on that album is just, oh my God, it's, the, it's just, it's great it's fantastic just go listen to i want to close to the album myself now actually um settle by disclosure that's another one turning 10 in 2023 that was the i believe the album that had the song latch with sam smith now that i'm remembering it but you know i think when a fire starts to burn is also on that record just what whatever disclosure touches turns to gold in my opinion um nothing was the same by drake i'm shouting out to my friend fair on that one because i know she'll remember listening to that album very well bangers by miley cyrus uh which i want to say has we can't stop on it which I feel like was probably the beginning of the like kind of rebellious Miley era so very big for her career Born Sinner by J. Cole huge influential uh record for 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 J. Cole I know a lot of my friends I was I I never really got into J. Cole when I was in university but I had friends who were absolutely obsessed with him um and uh they love 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 this record so I think that's that's how I remember it um Acid Rap which is another one that we've talked about on the podcast early days of the podcast by Chance the Rapper turns 10 in 2023 and I just think about like um what's the song that's love and oh my god sunday can oh no sunday candy's not on that record there's another one that i really love on that one. That, that that whole album's good though that that's a great mixtape from chance and then true by avici i was in university when avici was very big so you can imagine the club scene was just you know pumping levels all the time um but yeah r.i.p to to an amazing dj that record uh, that record also holds a special place in my heart my brother really loves avici as well so i feel like that's i grew up listening to that um now on uh another uh, another side of things we have albums turning 20 so get ready to feel just get ready to feel the hurt from some of these i was definitely definitely feeling old 
um, Fallen by Evanescence. I remember when that came out. I don't think I own this record, but I definitely remember having a very keen interest and obsession with the songs uh, My Immortal and Bring Me to Life because, I mean, like, who didn't? Oh, and Hello. That one's very underrated, but Hello by Evanescence, great song. We already kind of talked about this with the Dr. J Super Bowl, but Get Rich or Die Trying by 50 Cent, the debut from 50 Cent turns 20. Um, Meteora, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, by Linkin Park. I bring that one up again because of my older brother. My older brother was the one who introduced me to Linkin Park. Um, oh, this one I love, Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie. This reminds me of watching like The O.C. where I was definitely way too young. <laughs> Little nine-year-old Kiara watching The O.C., which she probably should not have been but there was so much death cab so those are those um for, for the listeners out there who love those seth cohen vibes um elephant by the white stripes i'm a big fan of jack white probably more so solo jack white than i am the white stripes but elephant is definitely a what was definitely a huge record for the two of them at the time room on fire by the strokes um again i think julian casablancas is such a such a character the whole strokes they're they're all set, they're all a set of characters but um this album i believe is the one that had reptilia on it so major track from them there oh my gosh the debut from queen beyonce dangerously in love which is kind of full circle because you know 20 years almost 20 years after the fact she released uh, renaissance which uh, was a huge album this year and absolutely love it myself uh speaker box the love below by outcast oh my gosh the amount of times i listened to the song roses I can't even count. I still listen to that song all the time. And that video, oh my God, is iconic. I'm pretty sure Paula Abdul makes a cameo and they have like the speaker box crew and the Love Below crew. And it's just, oh, it's just fantastic. Andre 3000 is just uh, just the best. I, I absolutely love him. And then lastly, one uh, a record that I did own and I think I still own somewhere, it's in my condo uh, somewhere, is Elefunk by the Black Eyed Peas. So, you know, where is the love? And uh, my is my humps on that one? No, that's too early for my humps. Uh, let's get it started. I think that's on that record. Like, oh man, when Fergie came on the scene, I was immediately obsessed with her. I don't know what it was. I just thought it was so cool that she was in this dance pop band with all these dudes and she was like the main girl and she was just so cool and edgy and she had like, you know, the she had like a, a cartilage piercing and stuff. I don't know what it was that drew me to Fergie, but um, her solo career, I was maybe one of the few people who followed her into her solo career and I just loved it. I loved it so, so much. So now that we all feel super, super old, why don't we... Um, just focus on this past year in music. Um, right now, we're going to hear from uh, some of our favorite guests. These recording sessions took place over the last month and a half. So I um, have to say a big, big shout out to all my amazing guests who came on and uh, joined me on the podcast. Um, you guys are going to be hearing from Meg, Ethan, Farah, Nick, Matt, Andrita, Lauren, I think I got everybody. I hope I didn't miss anybody as part of the intro. I might have to edit that in later. Um, but I'm going to leave it to our guests now to come in and talk about their favorite releases of the year. And we'll wrap it up with mine. And I will see you guys in a bit. Okay, so first up on our year-end wrap-up special, we have one of my favorite expats, which is Meg, joining us from the UK. Hey, Meg, how's it going? Hello, hello. How are you today? This I evening, am, I guess, for you. <laughs> I am so good. Thank you for having me again. Oh my gosh, no problem. It is a pleasure every time you're on the podcast. And I also have to say, um, we're going to reveal the album that you're speaking to in a minute, but uh, it's kind of fitting that today's Halloween, because if I remember correctly, there was a certain music artist you dressed up as for Halloween that may or may Absolutely. not be the same music artist we're talking about today. <laughs> 
That is 100% correct. (laughs) It's all full circle. Exactly. Right. It's cyclical. I love it. Um, Meg, what is your favorite album of 2022? My favorite album of 2022 is Harry Styles' third studio album, Harry's House. And honestly, an iconic record. It's only been out for a year, but it has already gained such a huge following, critical acclaim. Um, Just for our listeners' reference, so Harry's House came out under Columbia and uh, Erskine Records, which is Harry's private label. It was released on May 20th, and it was very long awaited by Harry Styles fans uh, as his last album came out in 2019, which was Fine Line. Uh, Three main singles were uh, As It Was, Late Night Talking, and Music for a Sushi Restaurant. And it debuted at number one on the UK Albums Chart, uh, as well as the US Billboard 200 Chart, and it was nominated for a 2022 Mercury Prize. It is a massive album for Harry Styles, wouldn't you say, Meg? It, yeah, definitely. Um, I, did, like, I think his momentum is just like compounding with every, not even just every album, with everything that he does, he just seems to be getting bigger and bigger. (laughs) And this album definitely contributed to that. A hundred percent. So now I, and I know Meg, you're a big Harry Styles fan. We've done an episode of the pod together on fine line, which is, you know, again, again, coming full circle, um, here today. But, uh, I, so the listeners kind of know, you know, how you started listening to Harry Styles from the early one direction days, but were you one of those fans who were waiting for this album after the 2019 release? Yeah, I would definitely say I was because um, I really got into Harry Styles with, well, we talked about this on your, on your, the first episode that we did um, when he performed at the Grammys, when he sang Watermelon Sugar. Um, So that was obviously well after Fine Line came out. So this was kind of my first Harry Styles album release of me being like a big fan. So yeah, I would definitely say that I was heavily heavily anticipating it a hundred percent and now do you have uh do you have any favorite songs off the record anything that sticks out in your mind yeah definitely um so my favorite song is probably little freak to be honest um okay yeah which is more of a mellow one and one of the things that kind of annoys me about it is that I saw Harry Styles this past June at Wembley which was amazing. I was going to bring that up. I was like make sure I wrote in my notes I was like make sure to ask Meg about Wembley. <laughs> yeah, it was it was absolutely incredible um for many 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 reasons. Um but he did not play Little Freak. I don't think he's played Little Freak live except for his one night only shows where he played the whole of Harry's house from start to finish. Um, so after, after um, the, like the week after the record came out, he did one night only shows, I think just in New York and London. Um, and he just, just played Harry's house, um, the whole, you know, every single track from start to finish. So, um, they, and he did those shows at really small venues for like in comparison to his level of fame. Um, so in London, he did it, I think at the Brixton Academy. Um, and I really wanted to go by, did not get tickets. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's one of those where it's my favorite song, but I am not sure that I'll ever get to hear it live. Cause I don't think it's one of his more, um, the ones that he picks for his, his set list, but yeah, it's, um, I just think little freak is lyrically a really beautiful song. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my favorite. Um, second favorite, very close. Second favorite is probably late night talking. Um, yeah, that's a I great just one. like, yeah. Um, very dancey, like always puts me in a good mood. Um, I feel like that's, I feel like late night talking is also very radio friendly as well. Um, 
I would agree. Yeah. I feel like I feel like out of the three singles, I almost wonder if late nine talking is like is the most radio friendly. Yeah. I would say so. Like, I feel like when As It Was came out, like, that was, like, I remember that release. Like, I remember watching the music video, and then, you know, TikTok got a hold of it, and it was all the, like, the memes, like, the the go home, like, stop. Yeah. Like, that was a very, like, common trend for people to do, and I felt like it was almost, that song was so, um, you know, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It had had so many different levels within the song. Like, I feel like it changed. It was almost, like, too fast-paced for, like, the modern music audience. Whereas like yeah. you said, late night talking was maybe a little bit more consistent. What are your thoughts on music for a sushi restaurant? Because I will say I've been to a lot of weddings this year and that was a big wedding song, which I was surprised. Wasn't it really? About. It was yeah. at every wedding I went to. Yeah. That is so funny. I went to three weddings this year and never heard music for a sushi restaurant. Um, really? Yeah. But I, well, the, one of the weddings, my sister was the DJ, so I can take that up with her personally. <laughs> um, but the, the other two weddings, there were some older Harry Styles tracks at one of them, but yeah, that's so funny. Um, I, I like it. Um, to be honest, I think I saw a TikTok where someone like I multiple TikToks where the, like the, the dinner, like that, yeah. that main hook, people have said that it sounds exactly like the sort of adverts we get for like supermarkets in the UK. Um, and ever since I like saw that comparison, that's all I can think about. (laughs) So So I still, um, yeah, I like, it is, it is absolutely a catchy song. Also, um, I think the music video for that song, which just came out like four days days ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that is the best out of the three that we've seen from this record for sure. I could not agree more. I was like, this video is so perfectly darkly funny and equally yeah. disturbing. Like yeah. it was, th- it's probably my favorite Harry Styles video, to be honest with you. I was yeah. so shocked by it. It was, yeah, it's definitely the most clever. Um, I was incredibly shocked. I was kind of grossed out, <laughs> um, but Same. it's, uh, as it was, is a good music, like music video. It's, it's also quite clever, but I think as it was, I actually think I read an article about that music video before I watched it. So I like a lot of the symbolism and stuff I kind of already had in my head when I was watching it, if that makes sense. So I don't know how I would have interpreted it like from my own, just from my myself, if I hadn't read the article first. Right. I don't really know why I did that. Um, but <laughs> um, and late night talking, i I mean, the music video is cute. There's nothing special about it. He's just in a bed. Yeah. Um, so that one, I feel like I probably remember the least out of the three of them, to be honest with you. Yeah. But yeah. So I would definitely agree. I remember watching as it was. And at first I feel like I didn't love as it was as a, as a song. And then it kind of grew on me, I guess, the more that I heard. I think it. a lot of, a lot of people have had that reaction. Yeah. yeah. But I, I also feel like, you know, the day that the album came out, I remember listening to it and I was pretty surprised because, you know, with fine line being like, I feel like fine line up until now was Harry's big record. Now I feel like this is his big record. And I mean, granted, like you said, he's only had three, right? This is literally his third album. So the fact that he already has kind of like a classic or an essential is pretty damn good. Um, I was really impressed though, with like the, I guess kind of the musical references and like the journey, so to speak, while you're listening to the album, like he can go from, 
again, those like fast paced radio friendly tunes to the more mellow little freak Matilda. Like that's one of my favorites off the record. I feel like, and then you get to like satellite, which is kind of almost like 70s psychedelic. Like he, he plays, he plays in a lot of different, um, I was like wheelbarrows, not wheelbarrows, wheelhouses, wheelhouses. You know what I mean? Like he's able to experiment still hairy, which I think is really cool. No, I completely agree. I think like the album in general, and I think starting with as it was, because that was obviously the first single before the album came out. I like I it was an adjustment for me. That's not to say I didn't like it right away because I did, but I think it, it is just it's it's very different to find line. Um, like but also I feel without at the risk of getting a bit overly deep about it he is hitting this level of fame and producing this amount of music at a time. I mean, he's our age, like he's just, he's changing so much with every year that it makes sense that his albums are so different from one to the next as well. Um, so yeah, I like, I really like the album, but I think the, the mellowness of it was kind of staggering for me at first. I mean, that's a fine line has plenty of mellow tracks as well, but it was just like, it's very, I know it's, he's so soft, voiced if that's even like a a way of describing it on the album and it's like it's it's an interesting adjustment um from like what we knew him as before but yeah it it definitely holds up a hundred percent and now you kind of spoke to you know his level of fame and how it's hit this just incredible point like truly exponential over the last couple years where do you kind of stand on this whole you know because he's kind of a movie star now and yeah don't worry darling drama like him spitting on Chris Pine what were your thoughts as this was all happening like where did you stand Um, as a fan yeah so like I went to see don't worry darling the weekend it came out um my thoughts on it actually yeah my it (laughs) my thoughts on it are quite complicated. Like, and I don't want to just turn this into like slander. I like, I'm (laughs) not, I, I really don't have time for Olivia Wilde. And I'm not saying that as like a Harry that is just bitter that she's dating him because uh, like, I, you know, there, he's had other girlfriends that I've thought have been really cool. Um, so yeah, I think that that whole thing, yeah. It's I like very I, ugly I don't and complicated. It's so Yeah, like, like it's cr- and it's not like I'm not saying she's fully responsible for all of that, but like every time she opens her mouth, she seems to make it like a million times worse. Um yeah. and like she changes her tune on things when it's like we literally have you on the record saying the opposite. So yeah, I'm I'm not a fan. So I think that that whole aspect of it has annoyed me. I think that he will be taking quite a break from acting apart from the the marvel stuff he's doing which i'm not super he's into doing marvel, marvel so stuff? yeah he's in the like the oh i can't even remember but he's gonna be like a brother in one of them oh my god <laughs> i did not know yeah. this. that's brand yeah. new information yeah yeah, they it was like one of the films, The Eternals, I think it is going to be a new film oh. that he yeah, and he's it was like one of the Marvel films last year. He was in like the post-credit thing where they reveal that he's going to be someone's brother. Um my little sister is super into that stuff so she'd know much better than me, but I'm actually really not that into Marvel. <laughs> so, um I'm with you. I don't that. even know if I'm a big enough Harry Styles fan to go see that film just because he's in it, I probably wouldn't bother. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think because of the drama, but I think also because, I mean, he's 
his touring is re- he's doing residencies and like every like he just played like eight nights in chicago like he he did 15 shows at madison square garden which yeah. is i think the longest of any artist ever when you take out billy joel because he plays there every month or something but yeah like, yeah it's wild yeah um and he's he's doing a bunch of he's doing like four shows at wembley in june and oh he's God. very very heavily uh, rumored for glastonbury here next year that um sense. so he has like a whole other year ahead of him so like i don't see how that leaves a lot of time for filming um and I also think that, yeah, it like maybe if the reception of these films that he's been in had been amazing, that would have been it would have been a different story. But I don't see him doing a lot more of that like right now. But yeah, it is. It's super interesting. Um, it is. But he's, yeah, he's be- he's becoming more well-rounded. I mean, it's all experience at the end of the yeah. day, but I'm I'm with you. I could see him. Um, I could definitely see him kind of taking a breather as well. Yeah. Um, on that kind of note, there was one last Harry Styles related event. I wanted to get your thoughts on before I kind of wrap up our session today, but how did you feel about the Coachella performance? Cause I really liked it and I was curious. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. I, I thought it was amazing. And I also knew before the Coachella performance, like just from, you know, watching video, like I knew that he was a massive Shania Twain fan. So Like seeing him on stage with her was really cute. Um, Like I actually, he does a cover at one of his shows of you're still the one um, with Casey Musgraves on. If you've not seen that, look it up on YouTube. It is so good. Cause I love Casey Musgraves as well. Like it is so good. Um, So seeing him actually like sing that with Shania Twain was amazing. Um, So yeah, I I thought it was great. And his outfits were fucking incredible. Fucking incredible literally took yeah. the words out of my mouth so i am definitely going to be youtubing that casey musgraves duet tonight for sure do it do it <laughs> um and now before so we've talked a lot about harry styles meg but um now i kind of want to ask a question about you we're coming to the end of 2022 which is hard to believe because it flew by um did anything uh, you know any special memories of the last year anything particular that you're uh, thankful for that you want to leave our listeners with at the end of the year so on a very personal level, I ran the Amsterdam Marathon two weeks That's ago right. yesterday. Congratulations. So, yeah, thank you. I th- I feel like I'd be remiss to not list that just because um, it was many, many months of training and it turned out quite good. It was a very fun race. Um, no injuries, no, no traumatic experiences, um, which at the end of the day with running is all you can hope for. Seriously, um, so, good for you, girl. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. And I would say like as a related addendum to that, um, like I said, I did see Harry Styles at Wembley and that was incredible. So that, that'll definitely be a highlight of the year. And anyone who's a fan of him, the price point of his shows is getting insane. But if you, if you like him, I definitely recommend trying to see him live because he is an amazing performer. I'll be doing my best. Maybe one day I'll join you finally in the UK. Yes. And we'll make this happen. We'll see. That would be incredible. That would be so good. <laughs> okay. And we're back with another installment of our year end wrap up. And I am joined by a podcast who truly needs no introduction. Ethan, welcome back to the podcast. It's it's so good to be back. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, Ethan and I are lucky enough to be recording uh, at our childhood home. 
together again. in person again yeah i guess i guess that's true again but ethan i'm very happy to have you back to contribute to our year-end wrap-up episode um so let's not keep the listeners in suspense ethan you are going to talk to us about a, not a favorite album of the year but a particular song what is that song you've chosen for today that song is called naive by sleeping at last yes and uh this uh it specifically Specifically, uh, it is the uh, live acoustic version that was just released this past year. Yes. So just before any of the listeners come for us, we are <laughs> wrapping up the year in music of, uh, of 2022. And technically, while this song came out in 2009, the band recorded um, a live acoustic version at Electric Audio in Chicago to celebrate uh, the album that this song was featured on, which is called uh, Storyboard, I believe. Yes. Storyboards. Yep. Storyboards uh, on its 13th anniversary. So this song came out on September 9th, 2022, this particular version, so it does count. Thank God. It is eligible. If you remember last year, Ethan, you did you pulled the same shit with um Did I do that with Sure by Fleet Foxes cuz you did like a they released like a remastered version or something oh, and did you I? just made it into the September the 2021 cut. I, so. I don't know what it is. I'm just like I never listen to I almost never listen to like new music that's coming out. Or like I don't know, it's like most of the music I listen to it's old, it's been out for like a few years at least. Yeah. Like I haven't really listened to like all the a lot of the newer stuff. You're not so much on the the top of the pops situation. No, oh, no. And we've got a dog. We've got the a beagle, and she's gonna pull out all the wires. Careful, Gracie. <laughs> Easy. Our dog Gracie's gonna join us for the uh, for the entirety of this recording. It seems like. Um, okay, so Ethan, talk to me a little bit about how you found this song. Then clearly, clearly, you're not really following you know more of the um, popular music. Uh, arena i don't know if that's the right word the popular music scope let's say yeah so how did this song come into your library i mean like i'll yeah like i'll, I'll obviously I, I usually hear most of the songs i like listen to through like whatever my friends are listening to if i'm ever like at a party or whatnot i'll hear the kind of songs that are playing there so that's kind of how i hear pop and whatnot but like for this in this case i remember i first listened to sleeping at last back in high school i think it was they released a song called earth I think it was part of their Atlas album. I can't remember, but I remember like hearing that. It was like a beautiful song. Then, then I a couple of years later, I ended up listening to like Saturn and You're Enough and One, and it's just like it's such they have such an incredible like scope with their music because they have so many where they just use like a full orchestra. Um, it's never just like a guitar and drums and a singer. It's like it's a whole soundscape, um, and so that's kind of how I got introduced to them. And so. Um, you know, I've liked them for a long time, so I'll often like go through their their songs and whatnot. And I stumbled upon this one, and I was like, "This is." It was very interesting to me because I felt like most of the one, like some of my favorite ones, like Saturn and, and Earth, they kind of have oh, and Touch, like they kind of have like a similar themes of almost like they're very melancholy, but uh, you know, Saturn especially is like pretty hopeful, and they seem to be about like very big themes, like the universe and whatnot. Whereas this one is very. Specific. Very pointed, yeah. Yeah, it's like very like it's it's directed straight at like religion essentially, which right. I thought was very interesting. It wasn't really like anything I'd heard in their in the previous songs. Well, before we get into like the details of the song too, because I definitely want to talk to you about the obviously main religious theme that um, that it encompasses. But it's interesting that you you know listen to Sleeping at Last in high school and and you're quoting all these songs. Which to be honest with you, I like I'm trying to rack my brain. I'm like I don't even know if I've heard any of these songs by Sleeping oh, at Last because good. I always saw them as a cover band just based on songs that i heard by them which were like covers of chasing cars i'm gonna be 500 miles oh. um 99 red balloons like that's how i discovered sleeping yeah. at last Con i actually Joe. like yeah <laughs> <laughs> wop <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm trying to imagine the sleeping at last cover of walk. <laughs> what ass? <laughs> But it's just, yeah, like, it, it's funny because I don't think I've really um, given their originals a fair shake, I guess, because I'm afraid it's going to turn into, like, a, a Boyce Avenue situation. Do you remember Boyce Avenue? I remember Boyce Avenue. They do yeah. a lot of covers, and that's kind of how they, like, rose to fame or whatever. And then I remember when they came out with their, like, full-length EP, I was like, oh, this kind of yeah. sucks in comparison. So I, I guess I was worried, but based on what you said, maybe I'll, I'll try it out. But sorry, were you going to say something? Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I, they have a very common, like, I, I think... One of the songs that I, I remember, like, kind of set them apart from the others was You're Enough. It's, like, it's more upbeat. Oh, You're Enough, You're, you're enough. enough. Oh, yeah, I've seen that on, like, You've TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, like, that's a, a more, like, a, a has, like, a brighter tone to it. I yeah. feel like some of the other ones have a tendency to be very, like, very melancholy. Right. Like, I can't, there was a, 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 uh, an album they released last year called Yearbook, I think, or it may have been the 10th in anniversary, 10 year anniversary of it, so it might have been released earlier, but... I remember, like, I was listening to that one, and it's like I can only listen to a few songs at a time because it's just like they're very like it's 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 heavy, and it's not it, they're not like you know dance. It's not like dance music. It's kind of like you're sitting in your apartment and just kind of like thinking. Yeah, like in the dark. Yeah, like yeah. just like okay, I'm gonna listen to the song and see what happens, yeah. kind of thing, you know. Um, so that that's just my warning. No, of, that's hey, it's, it's a good warning, and I feel like that also you know applies to this song so i i am curious you know we already talked we, we touched on the fact that the song is very pointedly aimed at religion um what does it mean to you why like what do you think is the main point of this song i don't know what i got from it was it was almost like because i mean it's called naive and i feel like there's like a lot of naivety in what makes someone like worthy of going into the afterlife because i feel like that's kind of like interesting one of like the main problems with religion where it's like you have to act a certain way or do yeah. follow certain guidelines, let's say, to get there. They always say, like, in, in whether it's Christianity or Islam or Judaism, it's like it's a narrow path, right? Like, you have to follow so many rules and you have to do so many things in order to be considered, like, worthy of entering heaven. Whereas I feel like it's really what we've come to understand is it's like some, like, it's, it's, it, it could be like there's a lot of extra steps in there. Like, if you look at the text and what they kind of ask of you, where it's like there's additional things like, you know, you shouldn't get tattoos or, you know, you shouldn't eat meat on certain days and whatnot, like things like that. And then it's kind of just makes you question like, OK, so if I don't like if I eat meat on a good Friday, does that mean like even if I'm a good person, any other every other regard? Yeah, I'm not going to get into heaven. It's kind of like, or things like double like that. jeopardy if you get a tattoo of meat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Satan is just rubbing his fists together. like Yes, go. Go get that. Sorry, that was Go me trying that. to yeah inject some of the jokes. But Go get continue. that T-bone on that. Continue. <laughs> T-bone steak tattoo. Like, even when it comes to things like homosexuality and, uh, like, yeah, issues with the church and, well, like, all religions, really. I think all religions kind of have a negative stigma towards, like, the LGBTQ community. And it's yeah. kind of like, if you were to support that community, you wouldn't necessarily, depending on how other people view it, you wouldn't necessarily be considered worthy of... Heaven you know, or yeah. after whatever it is. You know, yeah. and it, again, it's like it's I, I also say it's like some people would think that some people wouldn't. It's all very subjective. So that's where it's almost like it's like that naivety kind of comes from to be like, who are we to decide who's good enough to go to the afterlife? There's so many different answers. There's so many different ways of like kind of like determining that. So let's stop like trying to follow the text so literally and, yeah. you know, doing all these things when really it's just like just be a just be a person. Be a good person. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, it's and I think you analyzed that song really well. I have to say too, in um, reviewing the lyrics of this song, like it's you know we, we said right off the bat, it's pretty clear that it is about um, religion and perhaps being naive towards what that relationship is with god or a god Mm -hmm. um but you know right right off the top off the top of the song um ryan o'neill sings religion is a breeding ground where the devil's work is deeply found with teeth as sharp as cathedral teeth as sharp as cathedral spires Mm. uh slowly sinking in like it's like that's the first verse and i was like okay (laughs) like here we go they've got great lyrics like especially if you listen to like i I mentioned like like touch or or saturn like those have great Actually, I feel like Touch more so. Yeah. Saturn is is more of um, it's the soundscape, but Touch has like amazing lyrics. It's kind of like. Sorry, I was gonna say there's even a, a moment closer to the end of the song too, yeah. where he talks about like um, the the clues being like uh, clues behind stained glass or something mm-hmm. shattered at like children's feet. Like it was just very like moving, and then that's why I think I kind of almost interpreted it as like injustice towards you know children during like those scandals um with priests and and all of that at that time um or you know injustices towards children like of the first nations community Mm -hmm. here in canada right who were sent to residential schools which was the roman catholic church had you know obviously a very large a predominant role in that Mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of what i got from the song but it did it did take me a couple listens i feel like to like truly let that sink in even though the lyrics were so literal it was just kind of like i had it on the background i wasn't like i was passive listening yeah versus when i sat down but like when i knew i was going to chat to you today and i was like Ooh, okay this is a yeah. lot a lot more intense than i thought it was initially yeah that's what usually happens to me is like i'll listen to a song and then one day i'll be like i want to like look at the lyrics while i listen and that usually helps me to like see the words as they're being Same. sung and i'm like oh okay like i didn't notice this verse i didn't notice that this song was about the second world war what yeah so yeah <laughs> who, knew? <laughs> who, who knew one direction could be so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? This is about Vimy Ridge? Wait, that's World War One. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, it, it, you really have to kind of like take it like a moment to like listen to it and look at the lyrics and, and yeah. then that's when it, yeah, it's the same with me. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful song. I think it's arranged uh, in a beautiful way too. And it's really just, you know, a singer songwriter and a piano yeah. for the majority, especially, you know, this version. If we're talking about this live acoustic version, that's all mm-hmm. it is. It's an acoustic. So I think it was a really... Um, Great song choice, Ethan, and I thank you for this now be going to be part of my collection for sure. Oh, noise! <laughs> One of my sad, it. my sad songs. Oh yeah. Um, before I uh, we leave the listeners today, though, Ethan, um, I want to end things on a good note and ask you if you have a favorite memory of the past year of 2022. What are you going to remember most about this year? Oh, just in general? Yeah. Let me think. 2022. Yeah, I think favorite memory of 2022 would probably have to go to we did a. The Terra Firma Festival uh, just this past May, which was um, kind of put together by uh, Toronto Metropolitan um, theater production students. And in that, I was like, we were able to finally go on stage and do a play like live for the first time since COVID hit. Yeah. So it was just really refreshing to kind of like be in front of an audience again and like be in the same room as them. Yeah. Feel their presence. It was insane. So I think that was probably like, yeah, to be that like to be away from it for that long and then to finally be back it was incredible yeah and i have to say i watched ethan in that production and it was an amazing production stop it (laughs) (laughs) it was a wonderful it was a wonderfully written and acted uh production on the stage so congrats to you i took off all my clothes at the end it was awkward he did it was very awkward (laughs) my mom and dad were there our mom and dad were there too it was awkward (laughs) 
I literally will just like never forgive you for not giving me any kind of warning. I couldn't. Like, Thank how God was I, I didn't sit in the front row. I'm like, pretty sure I did. You not? I thought you. Didn't... I sat in the third row, <laughs> so it's not that much better when well, you think yeah. about it. Yeah, the space is pretty small. It was like a difference of maybe a meter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like we were a meter stick away. I was like, oh well, okay. Oh, we're, okay. We're, we're gonna see this now. Okay, <laughs> yeah. and congratulations on your acting career, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's the last play I'm ever gonna do. <laughs> All right, we are back with yet another section of our year-end wrap-up, and today I am joined by none other than one of our favorite podcasts, Farah. Hello, Farah. Hello. Hey. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> air horn. <laughs> no, that was I'm good. That's kidding. you're very good at doing the air horn impression. Wow, I'm impressed. Oh, <laughs> I've been trying to come up with new ways to like introduce people on the pod, and so far all I got is, and now we have this person. Congratulations! So the sound effect is good. Maybe that'll be your new thing for the pod. Oh God, thanks. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I'm excited to have you here, Farah. We're coming up on the end of 2022. And so uh, I had invited you back to talk about your favorite album of the year, uh, which was under contention for a little while there, but you did decide on one. So what album will you be talking about to our listeners today? All right. I have decided on Don FM by The Weeknd, even though I know you and I spoke about whether Drake would knock Drake and sorry, Drake and Twenty One Savage's new album would knock that off, but it did not. And it did we'll go not. Into why this is my favorite in a bit. We can't spoil the surprise yet for our listeners. No. But first, I'm going to tell the listeners that uh, Dawn FM by the Weekend is the Weekend's fifth studio album, and it was released under EXO and Republic Records on January 7th, 2022. So a, a very long time ago, actually. Like this, it was almost a full year that this album came out. Um, it was an interesting album for the Weekend. He likened the concept to a state of purgatory, which he described as a journey towards the light at the end of the tunnel, and it features a massive cross section of artists and musicians, including Tyler the creator Lil Wayne Quincy Jones Josh Safdie and Jim Carrey of all people which I found very funny to be honest with you when I uh, read that fun fact and the album had four singles that accompanied it take my breath sacrifice out of time and less than zero the album hit number one in 10 countries including Australia and Canada and it debuted at number two on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart it's a big album for the weekend. It's a big album, but I'm sorry. Can we backtrack? I know you mentioned all these really cool people like Quincy Jones and Are you going to call it Josh Perry? <laughs> yes, because we're on a podcast and I want to have my Anka Jams moment. <laughs> anyway. I was Sidebar. Josh Safdie's muse when he wrote Anka Jams. You know what Anka I mean? <laughs> I want to be the weekend's muse when he wrote Donna Femme or not. I, feel I don't like, know. It's about purgatory. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe don't be the muse for that. I feel like right now, Lily Rose Depp is kind of the muse because of the, you know, the HBO show that he's in. That's kind of the yes. vibe that I get from that show. Yeah. But, but I haven't seen I it. I want to be the weekend's muse just in general. I mean, who doesn't? With pipes like yeah. that. So smooth. <laughs> yeah. So smooth. Um, I know. Smooth pipes aside, though, Fira, what, um, what, what is it about this record that you love? Why is it your favorite album of the year? Um, so firstly, it was so hyped up. I mean, The weekend. Uh, if everyone is familiar with his history, uh, is from Toronto. Um, he was homeless for a little while, and he came out with his trilogy. And, you know... It was groundbreaking. It was emo, but raw, kind of a hip hoppy, uh, moody R and B type album. Yeah, there are three albums, and um, the trilogy is so famous. And then that the weekend tweeted, "We're in a new trilogy." So, oh shit! Uh, I think after Dawn, 
and or sorry, not after dawn. It was after, after hours. After hours pardon yep, me. Yep. And then I should read my T-shirt because yeah, you guys should get the T-shirt on. Dawn tour. After hours, Dawn FM. Then there's going to be a third album coming out. I was like, okay, what's the continuity here with the first album of the new trilogy? And I also loved that he's exploring purgatory, which is such such an interesting and applicable, I say interesting and applicable a lot because we were in a pandemic. It felt yep. like we were all in purgatory. He wrote yep. the album um, when he was kind of in this disp- depressive state. The you know concert kept getting pushed back, all this stuff. And this really beautiful artistic thing with a ton of continuity came about. A hundred percent. The visuals alone for this record, I just feel like are very telling. Even the artwork where he's wearing those, um, like the prosthetics that make him look, yeah. you know, like an old man. And it's just, I was, I was doing a little bit of reading about it today and I didn't even realize, but like the, the image itself, like just literally his face, which we've seen before done on albums, right? Like Maggie Rogers this year released a record where it's just a close up of like the top half of her face. We've seen Adele do different versions of her face on, on several records. It's a very like intimate shot. And then to show him in this very vulnerable state being old, up against a very stark dark blue night sky kind of background it was just it's very like I, j- I just find it very deep for lack of a better word you know what I mean like I think he's truly bearing his soul in this record yeah agreed and death is not an easy thing to think about it's such a sensitive subject no one really knows how to talk about it um but I think that this album does such a good interpretation of artistically expressing what it means to go through that cleansing process before you pass on. Right. So this record, clearly you're a big weekend fan, Farah. So you were, you were one of those fans who were waiting after, after hours, you were, you were gung ho on this next record. And then, like you said, you know, he was working on this during the pandemic and I believe he had like another record kind of on the go that he ended up scrapping and then almost starting over from scratch with this record. Yeah, I don't even know. You you probably have done a little bit more research on that. But what I do know is, um, yeah, when I did my research, he was in this depressive state. Uh, he he came out with the album. Um, but yeah, the whole story behind <laughs> the concert is I had booked tickets to go in, yeah. I want to say 2021. So we're a year into the pandemic. It yeah. was February, I think when it was supposed to happen. And in February of 2021, like nothing was happening. We were, we were shut down basically. We yeah. Very shut down. Yeah. And, um, he was supposed to just tour with the after hours album or not just with that album, but I think he had like a plan and after hours that was the, included in it. the album to tour on. It was most, his most recent one, I guess at the time. Right. So yeah. Yeah. And then it's canceled because of COVID, but there's this announcement saying, Hey, we're going to do a whole new tour and it's going to include a new album. So I'm going, huh? Okay. <laughs> like what, what, when's this happening? Is it going to be summer? Is it going to be next year? Yeah. So summer of next year. Um, and he obviously comes out with Don FM and it's really hype and I love it. It's great. Yeah. And do I need to go into the whole story with the concert? Please, like, please okay. tell us the whole, for those listeners who may not be, um, centered in Toronto, like you and me, I think you got to tell the whole story. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. This is all over the place, but <laughs> tried to go to a concert. Didn't happen because of COVID second time around, you know, we've got the concert coming up and it's, I want to say July. 
Yeah, probably it was June summer. Or July. It, it was, was hot. summer of 2022. It was hot. Yeah. I had yeah. an outfit planned and everything. <laughs> um, and I get to my friend's house and we're walking to the concert. And I'm a hardo. Like I want to get there early. Yeah. I knew Catronata, I think, was kicking it off because originally it was supposed to be Doja Cat. Doja couldn't do it anymore. So it was Catronata, yeah. also a big Canadian artist. Yeah. And I wanted to get a concert tea and sit down and watch Catronata and watch my concert. Didn't happen. There was a Rogers outage. Uh, it, it was held at the Rogers Center. And yep. for some reason, you know, this was a nationwide outage, I want to say. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like infected 90% of everything yeah. in, in the country. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have a day job, so I could not work. I worked out at the office, you know, hurried to my friend's house, tried to get there early, took out cash thinking, okay, if they don't have internet, they can't use their POS system. So I hope I can take cash. Yeah. They couldn't even check people in to like, check in their tickets because they didn't have internet because it was all Rogers. Yeah. So Rogers Center, of course, that makes sense. And people are walking back and my friend's like, why are all these people walking? And I was like, oh, it's fine. Like, whatever. Maybe they're lost. They're not fr- They're not from Toronto, <laughs> right? They don't know their way to the Rogers Center. They, yeah. Like, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and then we get closer and closer. And then finally we stop like a couple and then they're like, Hey, yeah, the concert's canceled. They're just someone's out there on a bullhorn and saying like the concert's canceled because of the outage. That so is so like, upsetting. It was a big letdown. It was a big letdown. But fortunately, I got to go in October. Yep. Um it made literally a lot just of sense. a month ago, basically. A, a month ago. Yeah. It made more sense because it's also spooky season and the weekend's music moody. is very moody. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I had an amazing time. The visuals were so beautiful, as you said, like yeah. the lights and the set looked like this eerie, uh, purgatory-esque Gotham-like Toronto. Oh. Yeah, it okay. had um, the Rogers Center. It had um, the CN Tower. So it looked like a Toronto and he comes out and there's this giant runway and this giant moon that looks like... Um, that really famous art piece by director X that happened one year at, at Nuit Blanche in Toronto. I'm talking about so many Toronto things. It's like, no, it's, 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 it's he's a, a Toronto leader. artist. Of course. It's only natural. I, I yeah. don't know that art piece, but I'm definitely going to be Googling it after this. It sounds yeah. incredible. Yeah. It's, it's like this giant sun or moon, but anyway, yeah, the, the set had this giant moon and, um, I've been to stadium concerts. Like I saw the Foo Fighters in Rogerson and I remember us talking about that and yeah. the sound, I was sitting in the hundred levels. The sound was not great to be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how they did it this time, but the sound was incredible with this concert. That's the best. I love moments like that where it's like, you, it finally happens. You finally get to see this artist you've been literally waiting over a year for. So what were you most excited to hear at the concert? What are some of your favorite songs off this record? Okay, my one few of my favorite songs off this record, Gasoline. Mm. I'm so glad you said that. That's one of my yeah. favorites too. Oh, good. good yeah, good. I didn't think you were going to bring that one up for some reason, but I was like, oh, I hope somebody talks about Gasoline. I, That's like one of my favorites for sure. I really like it. Yeah, it's a dark song, but I like darkness. It kind um, of has like a spooky 80s vibe, almost like yeah. emo take on me or something. Like it's just, it's got, it's there's something yeah. to it that I... You know what I mean? <laughs> There's something, I don't know what it is. It just, it, it's, it's very like you were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar, but, but 
emo. I don't know how to describe it. But like burn my body and kill me type (laughs) vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Bury me alive. (laughs) Any other favorites off the record besides gasoline? Yeah. um, Out of time. That was a single. That's a solid one. I really like the music video um, because, you know, he's dancing with uh, that. Oh, gosh. What's her name? Ho Yun Jung. Yeah. Nailed it. Hopefully. Yeah. I hope I pronounced that right. Sorry for it sounded, anyone no, it's, it's Korean. It sounded good. I think it sounded good. <laughs> yeah, I got to do her justice. Anyway, she looks beautiful. Yeah. And um, he's obviously dancing with her. It was just very reminiscent of regret. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be a romantic regret. Um, because at the end of the music video, spoiler alert, um, he wakes up and Jim Carrey's there and he's on a hospital bed. He's old now. Yeah. And Jim Carrey's like putting that that mask on him. And I don't know what the mask represents, um, but we see the mask again in the music video for How Do I Make You Love Me? So I think mm. there's some continuity there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, I really like the song because it's like a 80s vibe ballad. Yeah. It's dark. And then it also kind of talks about, you know, maybe going through your last bit of regret. Like maybe you've got some emotional regret that you haven't worked through and you're dying and you're out of time. You're out of time. It's the way that she goes sometimes. Yeah. It's yeah. depressing. It's depressing. Yes. Effective? Also, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about life. It's a statement about it's life. About life. Like, do you do you have regrets? Of course. Yeah, we're not going to get into them on this episode, but for sure. Yeah. Um, it's a, heavy <laughs> a bad segue, but I was also going to ask you <laughs> I was also going to ask you Farah cuz Jim Carrey, I I truly can't get over that. When I when I first heard the album, and I heard the Don FM voice where he was like, you're listening to 103.5 Don FM, you know, because it, it is done very well. And it's throughout the album, it, you know, comes in as kind of like outros on the end of songs and things like that. And I, I was like, I know this voice, but I was like, I just can't quite place it. Like it was just radio distorted enough where I was like, it sounds familiar, but it just sounds like a radio jockey. And then I, sw- I swear to you, not until today did I know that that was Jim Carrey really a hundred percent and then i was doing my prep and i was like jim carrey and i was like oh my god jim carrey holy shit i knew quincy jones i knew tyler the creator like obviously lil wayne like that was all very josh safty was josh safty was not um uh automatic for me but no, jim for some reason i just like didn't i never thought that like ace ventura pet detective would be involved in a weekend project Do you know what i mean yeah there's like some weird history like the weekend is such a big fan of Jim Carrey. Really? And yeah, I, I I don't have any like credible sources to that. I just I think I've read that here and there. He's a huge fan, obviously also a big Canadian star. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, and and then I guess he must have said yes to working on this with the weekend. And it's very different, um, as you mentioned, from stuff that Jim Carrey has done because he does a lot of comedy. Um but I think it's weird enough that Jim, you know, he just did such a good job with the voice, the radio voice. Yeah. But also, I think that's the interpretation of God. Like, is Jim Carrey God? I don't want to be insulting. Oh. But like, that was my thought. Yeah. I mean, Bruce Almighty. Yeah. yeah. Illuminati confirmed, maybe. Uh, <laughs> it maybe. All, it's all coming yeah. together. <laughs> Otherwise, Morgan Freeman should have been. <laughs> that's true. That's the true. Voice, but I love yeah. Oh. 
yeah, it was a very interesting, interesting choice for me, but you're right. It, it, it a hundred percent absolutely worked. I do. Uh, I, I do want to ask you, Farah, I know that this album means, you know, a lot to you, but moving on from the music for a moment, aside from the great music that came out this year, do you have any favorite memories of 2022? What are you kind of leaving with, uh, leaving this year with, so to speak? It's been an interesting year. I don't have one specific memory. I have a few. Please share. Uh, I, I went to a lot of weddings in 2022. Wedding um, season was back. It was lit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm at this point in my life where I'm seeing friends get married. It's not like your older relatives. It's literally friends. Yeah. Uh, and it makes you reflect a lot on your life. Um, but I, I take away, you know, from all of those collective moments, the meaning of love and the importance of love. Uh, and kind of to Don FM, you know, when you're dying, what does it mean to be happy? What does it mean to be wealthy, right? To have your yeah. health. Um, so anyway, to cut the cheese, um, <laughs> I will say, you know, being together with my friends, my family, my partner was definitely highlight of 2022 in yeah. person, in, in at weddings. person. We were back. We were back and ready to attack. <laughs> back ready to attack we were out out we out 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 and yeah. I was living for it every single second I am so glad too that live music is back I'm so glad you finally got to see one of your favorite artists the Thank weekend you. yeah me too all right and for our next favorite album of the year session we have found the problem it's him it's Nick, welcome Ouch. back to the podcast, Nick. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was my attempt at um, making a joke in light of the record that we're talking about today, which I have to ask you. Thank you. First of all, is thank that you an coming. anti-hero joke? Yes. Oh, I, I get it. I get it. I thought you picked up <laughs> on that right away. Just you just sassy. thought I was being me. <laughs> I did. I was like, that's not very nice. <laughs> no, I came up with that. I came up with that like 15 minutes ago and I was like, was oh, well I'm going to use that. <laughs> so I think the listeners can probably already tell the album that you're going to talk about today day nick but um you are back on the podcast for the first time since last year can you tell the listeners what your favorite album of 2022 was yeah so i mean it was the late breaking taylor swift album midnights yeah i mean it, i think it kind of spoke for itself how good it was i mean I, I don't you might be quoting this later on so i don't want to steal your thunder but i was reading a news article that it stole all top 10 like of the billboard spots at one point right and it's like the only album i think that's done that a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like you, you literally took one of my points, but that's fine. Bad, it's okay. We're allowed to share. It's I fine. do research too. It's not I know. Cool. I'm very impressed. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> but yeah, this album is, uh, this is a, this is Taylor Swift's 10th full length studio album. It was released under Republic records on October 21st, 2022. So as you said, fairly recently, Swift has said that the album was inspired by 13 sleepless nights and it is a departure from her previous two records, folklore and evermore embodying elements of pop synth and electronica. Uh, she also dropped an, ex an expanded edition of the record, which included seven bonus tracks, much to the excitement of her dedicated fan base, a.k.a. Nicholas. Um, like <laughs> I stayed up till 3 a.m. waiting for that. Did you act 3 a.m.? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. Well, because the extended album's called 3 a.m. So it's like midnight. Is it really? How did then, I not yeah. notice that? Yeah. And then they dropped. So I, I don't know if it was actually officially released at 3 a.m. Oh, I think you're right. Was, 3 a.m. Yeah. edition. Yeah. So there's more songs on that edition. 
No, there are. That's the seven bonus tracks. Yeah. Wow. You are a true fan. Um, And as you already mentioned, wildly successful album. It achieved the Spotify record for most single day streams ever. It sold 1.5 million copies upon its release in the U.S. And it put 10 Taylor Swift songs on the Billboard Hot 100 in a single week, which you are right, has, uh, to my recollection, has never been done before. So that's a, a very big feat. So, you know, despite all the commercial success, Nick, what is it that you really like about this record? Like, why is it your favorite album of the year? Yeah. So, I mean, like I, I probably first started listening to Taylor Swift or I did back in university. So I like, for me, the big albums were like, uh, speak now fearless. Like those are kind of like the Quint red. Those were like the quintessential Taylor Swift albums. What I like about these ones is like, it's kind of different. Right. So it, she's yeah. taken more of like a grungy tone to it. I almost like at first I was like, it's a little like Billie Eilish, which like, I'm not a huge fan of Billie Eilish, but I like what she's doing with it. It's good. I feel like Taylor Swift, can almost do no wrong in the music she puts out. Like it's, it's different, but it's the same. If that makes sense. Like, even though it's grungier, it still has that like Taylor Swift tonality to it. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I feel like, I mean, again, you're, you're a bigger uh, Swifty than I am. I think like I've spoken about it on the podcast before that she's not one of my favorite music artists. I feel like I probably, it was like a phase for me in high school. I know, I know this is going to get so many people to hate me, but it's it, it, it like, I understand what you're saying though, where I'm like, I have very high expectations every time she puts out something new. And I feel like, you know, you also can't ignore the fact that she's like really fucking good at writing songs. Like it's, she, it's, is. she is an incredible songwriter. And I think more than anything, I respect that. And the fact that she, when she didn't get the master recordings of her first six studio records, um, it was big over this dispute with her, her old record label, which was called Big Machine. They, you know, she went to the effort. It was effort to re-record yeah. all those songs so that and she owned them. them. Yeah, because like rightfully so, like they're her songs, right? And I think that that whole thing was like such a, that was such bullshit. So I respect that she went and she did that. I think it's like, I see what you mean too about the album being a little darker and a little yeah. moodier perhaps. But yeah, than- that's, that's the right word. Moodier is a good word than other Taylor Swift albums. I personally, I really liked the Folklore album. That was probably one of my favorite Taylor Swift records over the last 10 that she's released. But there are definitely some, you know, some high points of this record. And I mean, the critics and fans alike loved it. So that all being said, what are your favorite songs off the record? What really uh, speaks to you most? Yeah, I, that's tough. I I really like the song Maroon. Me too. Yeah. And so, I mean, again, it kind of goes into that, like, grungier taylor swift but then it caught me off guard the first time i listened to it because i don't i don't know if it's the first time she's sworn aggressively on a song but like she drops the f-bomb pretty hard and she does on a lot of songs actually they're marked explicit on this album yeah but she like the way she says it it's like very enunciated like i'm trying to remember like the actual line but she's just like fucking i'm like yeah okay and you're like taylor swearing taylor But yeah, no, I like that song a lot. I like, I mean, Lavender Haze is good. Antihero seems to be the one that picked up, which. Well, that was the single. I, that's why it was the. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense. But like that one, the only thing I, I don't like about Taylor Swift is I feel like she can be kind of like passive aggressive in her songs at times. And I feel like that song <laughs> you think? is just, <laughs> just a little bit. And like, <laughs> but that song more than all of them I'm listening to. And I'm like, oh my God, like you just, just just take it easy, Taylor. No, I mean, like, I, I, I see what you mean in the sense where she's always got that little bit of like a, an edge to it's not even so much of an edge. Maybe passive aggression is the right way to describe it. Like, I think back to when the whole Reputation album came out, that was like post um, 
the whole Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, like yeah, beef and yeah. Th- and like, not even the, the first altercation where he took the mic from her at the, at the VMAs. It was like the second, like the second coming of this whole Taylor Swift, Kanye beef. And there, I remember there was like a moment at one of the end of her music videos where I, I will say she at least fairly picks on herself as well as the people that she's being That's true passive aggressive towards but i could see how you get that vibe from from anti-hero it's it, anti-hero is like a good song it's a fine song i think the video is maybe a little self-indulgent but that's just because actually, i haven't seen the video i'll have to check that out i think it's like i think it is but that's just my opinion you yeah. might like it because you like her more than i do but that's fair I, yeah. there's the rose rose tinted glasses that i see her through <laughs> yeah exactly i really, like have very vivid memories of like you blasting taylor swift in your university home like un, unabashedly so i think taylor swift will get the you know the frat boys going more than anything else that's not that you're a because, frat boy but no but it's also because it was basically like the white girl magnet. You play Taylor Swift. And they're like, oh, 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 Taylor Swift. Where's that? They're everywhere. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was pretty. That was yeah. That was that was like peak time for for Taylor Swift though too. So yes. I don't blame you. Um, any other of your favorite songs that you like on the record? Yeah, I like Lavender Haze. I like Snow on the Beach. I actually really like. With yeah, Lana with Lana Del Rey. Del Rey. Yeah, like a little slower. But I actually really like. I mean, Lana Del Rey. I like in general. I just think she has a really cool sounding voice. Yeah. Um. So that was like. A cool collaboration but yeah those are probably my top ones but yeah those are the big ones for me i mean i think those are the top ones that are probably trending on the album like you hear those ones on the radio too but yeah yeah i like those the most for sure yeah i think like i definitely like snow on the beach because i agree with you lana i think has uh she's got a a very cool sound maroon i i had noted as well midnight rain was one that stuck out to me that one's good too you're right i like midnight rain because it's got that kind of um like distortion in the beginning. I don't know. It felt, it didn't feel like a Taylor Swift song to me. Maybe that's why I liked it. And then yeah. she does, she does a good ballad. So like bigger than the whole sky or would have, should have, could have like, which I think might be bonus tracks. One of those is, is a bonus that, track. Yeah. I think that last one was. Yeah. I I do genuinely like it. I mean like, you know, front to back, it is a, it's a solid record. And like I said, like people, people went fucking nuts. Like oh, yeah. social media is all Taylor Swift right now. Well, when did you say the last one came out? What year was that? Folklore was like 2019, 2020, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, look, like that's a bit, that's a long amount of time. And you think about all the shit that we've lived through since then, it makes it feel even longer. And then you get someone who everyone's so jacked up about releasing something this big and you're like, Oh my God. And I feel like that's been a common theme actually in music this year. You know, we just did a recording session for uh, the weekend's album that came out this year, which was again, long awaited through COVID. Um, Harry Styles was another one. And uh, there's another one that I'm, forgetting oh Beyonce that was another big one that was released this year so a lot of big artists came back in a in a in a massive way um but going back to what you were saying about you know we've been through a lot over the last couple years 2022 was hopefully a little bit lighter for everyone than 2021 was um do you have any favorite memories of the past year or anything you're taking away with you into 2023 Mm, it's a deep question honestly like I, I feel like for 22 the biggest thing was just not having to like moving away from COVID mandates, reintroduction to seeing people not wearing masks, like not having to wear a mask into the gym or going into work, wearing a mask or public transit, like just that and seeing people's faces again was a huge thing. Like I felt like that kind of truly marked the end, even though we're not in the end, it like unofficially kind of was endemic stage. And like 
it just, I felt like everyone was happier after that. Um, yeah, that, that for me was a pretty big thing. And I feel like looking back in life and having said, oh yeah, we've lived through this pandemic and, and all that, that was kind of a nice end to it. Yeah, I totally agree. It was like, I remember the first time I left, cause I was so used to like leaving my condo, grabbing my mask and like putting it on to get, mm-hmm. go into the hallway, go into the elevator, like, and then taking it off when I got to the car or when I got outside, depending on, you know, if I was like really freaked out, maybe I wore my mask outside. But the first day after the mask mandates lifted here in Toronto and I like left and I like didn't have my mask Burn on. It. I felt like I was <laughs> doing something wrong. No, but yeah, I was just like, guilty. I was like, Oh my God, like someone's going to call me out for not wearing a mask and blah, blah. And then <laughs> it maybe like took a week. And then we were all like, Oh my God, thank God that's over. <laughs> I really miss seeing the bottom half of people's faces. So yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Um, it's been a, it's been a pretty good year, although we can no longer make the, I'm feeling 2022 joke because I'm feeling 2023 doesn't, you know what that I think? Was a they missed change opportunity. It. That was a missed opportunity on her record to make the 2022 thing. Well, she could, yeah, she had 22 on her one album. I'm feeling 22 and then she yeah. could have had, I'm feeling 2022. Oh, I see. I think, see you know what I think there? the new joke will be, um, you know how blink 182 has the line in, um, what's my age again? Or it's like, nobody likes you when you're 23. Yeah, yeah. Nobody Ooh, likes you when you're 20, 23. Oh, they'll definitely do that. That's going to be my The prediction. tricky part is getting tickets to their freaking expensive ass concert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very excited to welcome our next guest to our year-end wrap-up, somebody who hosts one of my favorite podcasts in the entire world, the Pick a Disc podcast. Welcome back to uh, Kiara Gets Drunk. Matt, hello. Hi. Yes. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's been about a year since, well, yeah, last year. It was last year that we last spoke properly, wasn't it? So Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But seriously, if if anyone hasn't checked out the um, Pick a Disc podcast yet, it is truly wonderful. And Matt, like, I really admire you and uh, the lengths you go at to podcast. You were literally just telling me you've been podcasting for a couple hours already today. Um, Yeah, that was for for a different podcast, I hope. A different podcast. (laughs) You've just got, yeah. You've got projects on top of projects. So thank you for making time um, for us today to talk about your favorite record of 2022. So let's not leave the listeners in suspense. Um, What was your favorite record of the year? Uh, Easily, it's uh, Lauren Hibbard's Garage Band Superstar. Amazing. Yes, this record. Now, this was one that um, I feel like this happens like this happened last year, Matt, when you told me about the Baby Queen record that you were going to be speaking about. You always introduced me to these really great singer songwriters. So I did have to go back and do a little bit of research. Um, But just so our listeners know, GarageBand Superstar uh, was released under Virgin Records on August 19th, 2022. And it is the debut full length album from Lauren Hibbard. And it exemplifies her self-proclaimed style of music, which she calls slacker pop. And on this incredibly unique record, Hibbard also calls in help from DJ Lethal of Limp Biscuit fame mm-hmm. and the teenage dirtbags themselves, Weedus, touching on themes of heartbreak, self-esteem, and anxiety. Enemy gave the album three out of five stars and called it a huge amount of fun, undeniably ambitious, and charming. So Matt, first of all, I have to know, how did you find Lauren Hibbard? How do you find these smaller singer-songwriters? And this, she's from, she's 25 years old. She's from the Isle of Wight. How did you first get introduced to her? I can't remember the top of my head, if I'm completely honest. I think it was definitely around 2019, because um, I've seen a lot, because I saw her live in Birmingham um, that year. Um, it's I've got a feeling it's either a case of blogs I follow, tweeting, just tweeting about like a song release. I think it might have been the song, I think it might have been called Shotgun, which is like from like a first EP right. way back. Um, yeah, so it was just like randomly, and I just remember listening to songs. Oh, this song's oh, the song's okay. Um, and 
kind of listened to that EP quite a bit and seen her live. But um, yeah, and she was like an artist that I thought, oh, that's, that's quite nice. It's quite it's good, but she wasn't like a favourite of mine. Right. Um, I think I might have said this on the podcast. I think um, the ba- when I chose the Baby Queen record to talk about last year, I said it was in between this and something else. And mm-hmm. by the time I did Pick a Disc's Best of 2021, uh, Baby Queen was eliminated to second place. When I Interesting. Did my own yeah. And the first place was Goober, which was Lauren Hibbard's. Her EP. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And she was like saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to have a uh, album next year. It's kind of like how sports teams get seeded in competitions. Like, yep. I, think there are certain, I think there are certain artists that when they say, oh, we're going to release a new album this year, you kind of know they're going to be you're going to seed to like them more because you know the artist. And I think my number for one sure. seed for like, if there was going to be an album that was probably going to be in to be one of my favorites or in at least my top five, it probably would have been this one. And then it came out and yeah, I absolutely fell in love with it. A hundred percent. So, so what is it that you love about the record? What sticks out in your mind? Um, I think it's like, a, there's a, it's like a mixture of, I think, there's like a lovely like referencing kind of like pop punk slash kind of slacker pop and kind of like pop punk that I was kind of, kind of into when I was like 15 or 16, um, kind of very influenced by this. Um, there's a kind of not exactly new metal, but there's almost a new metal adjacent tinge to some tracks um, to the point where it kind of solves the issue of what would make me like Limp Bizkit more? And he goes, oh, I know, remove Fred Durst. And then... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of... <laughs> Take him out of the equation and then yeah. we like Limp Bizkit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a limp, there's a song here which is like pretty much like almost a Limp Bizkit, limp Bizkit song that has DJ Lethal on it. Exactly. Um, yeah, which doesn't happen. I mean, okay, first of all, I'm shitting on Dead Durst, but I mean... <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I've got a love-hate relationship with him um, at times, but uh, yeah, I think it kind of... It's like a very lovely... In- like a reference to a kind of like style of music yes um but also has a kind of like a very self-deprecating layer of perhaps even seriousness of introspection mm-hmm. right where like you can listen to it, oh this is quite like upbeat and hop- happy and stuff and then you start to and then like on the for me third fourth 50th listen um you start to get the kind of like more serious kind of like underlying kind of exploration of it um and there's quite a lot of it's quite very kind of pop punk tropey um um kind of things where it sounds upbeat sounds upbeat, yes. and, but it's actually not i mean um to case in point the new blink 182 song uh edging it, yeah. yeah like yeah it says oh the title's kind of the title's kind of like yeah suggestive yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then like after but then you listen to it and it's like actually i'm pretty sure this song is about the relationship they have with each other and music and it's lots and it's a lot dark it's a lot darker and more self-introspective and i quite like how lauren hibbard's music encourages that and has that kind of upbeat feel to it but then kind of like has that feel of anyone who listens to it or lauren hibbard herself you feel like Are you okay you yeah yeah yeah, for someone who I was surprised in listening to the record for someone who was born in, you know, 1997, like I said, she's only 25. She brings, first of all, like a level of um, uh, being unapologetic about the style that she wants and the lyrics mm-hmm. that she wants to write. You know, she's very strong in that sense, but also brings a sense of maturity to um, to, to her lyricism. I totally yeah. agree with you where I feel like all those themes, I, I you know, I kind of touched on already, like having your heart broken or not feeling good about yourself or being uh, in a state of anxiety like that all is, is exemplified on this record. It's just kind of 
like it's it's draped in these like really punchy like high guitar high sound guitar like um i was getting like major weezer vibes when i was listening to the record yeah 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 um any interview you see i think she was in her i've not been able to find any of her early early stuff i think when she was 16 17 um when she was first coming out i think she was very influenced by laura marling so there's like kind of acoustic kind of um or mandolin like ukulele style songs where she's kind of got kind of going towards the more folk era stuff right right um i'm not i'm not listening to any i think it's i think she's managed to remove all tracing from the internet but i've seen blogging posts and there's there's a blog that i've followed for absolutely years called breaking more waves Mm -hmm. and i think from 97 90 no 2007 2018 uh 2017 2018 she had a he had a um a blog post like with some of her very early stuff mm-hmm. um so she was very much in kind of that kind of folky kind of um kind of folk pop type stuff but then okay. she, but in interview she said oh someone handed her i think is it the blue album or the green i, I can't remember which i can't remember the weezer albums it's not pinkerton it's the one after is it the blue oh album? I, don't, I don't know i'm, I'm I, weezer i don't know a lot of their discography to yeah. be honest but it was a i was a weezer record yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely the influences are strong with this one yeah <laughs> Yeah, so ba- yeah, basically, I think so she, she someone handed the Weezer album, like this Weezer, Weezer album, and then it just like her con- her music ch- taste just changed. It's like something clicked. So yeah, and then pretty much you can from then on, I think you can see from her like everything is dogs EP, and yes. you can kind of see the kind of sugary pop aspect come in, and the kind of cheeky or kind of cheeky and suggestive nature of lyrics kicking in, which is like almost like Green Day Blink One Eight Two style yes. stuff. And then, like, just basically finding what her voice is as an artist, and to the point where she's got like where she can pretty much. Um, and she said this. She said this on interviews on podcasts where she could just DM uh, Brendan Brown and or DJ Lethal on Instagram saying, "You wouldn't mind doing this," and then replying back saying, "Yeah." <laughs> so. Can you imagine? Oh my god, the life she must lead. But yeah, yeah I, I would definitely agree with you on that kind of style that very much comes through on the album. I think it was cool too having her, you know, be a female lead singer because a lot of those bands that we've talked about, Green Day, Weezer, Blink One Eighty Two, are male led. So for me, it was like take those bands, maybe throw in a little bit of like Fountains of Wayne. Like I got like kind of like Stacy's Mom um, vibes, yeah. um, and then she's kind of like her voice to me or her vocal cadence is kind of like a mix of like Biff naked with Gwen Stefani and Emily Haynes from metric. Like, I feel like you take all of those elements of those female powerhouses and that's, it spits out Lauren Hibbard. It's a very interesting sound for sure. But I I also have to, I have to ask you, Matt, uh, what are some of your favorite songs on the record? I want to know what kind of takes the cake for you here. Uh, I don't, I don't throw all of them, but um... (laughs) I think a couple that I think of, I think the lead single was still running 5k, which is basically the Limp Bizkit song. I love that uh, one. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like, it's what I think Fred Durst thinks rolling should have been where, but it, where there's like, yeah, there's, there's like kind of like a kind of new metal style rap through it. You, DJ lethal is pretty much scratch. It's got this scratching pretty much all the way through it. Um, yeah. yeah I think what I, from what she says, she says that she actually, I think he was saying um, about, Oh yeah, there's the DJ Lethal thing you have to say, which was like, can I say it instead? So there's a great bit where she starts in a song where she goes, DJ Lethal. Um, oh yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. So, so saying that, but yeah, but um, so she has that kind of like um, kind of verses and chorus that saying kind of very different from each other. But then you got the kind of rap verses, but which saying saying great. But then when you look into it, it's it's very much um, like being feeling like you're trapped in a certain like routine, certain 
era um like you feel kind of uh like like an arrested development where you're like everyone else around you feels like they're kind of living their lives and stuff and the, the kind of central metaphor of the of the song is saying like like the chorus is saying like all my friends are getting married they're doing this they're doing that yes this and this and this and i'm still running the same 5k but the idea when, when you think about it it's, oh, it's a nice catchy thing but you think about it you, all you're doing you're just staying in the same place you go up and you're just doing the same thing over and over again you're running the same route because there's not much variation and stuff mm-hmm. and there's just like there's a very kind of relatability to that where you feel like everyone's moving on everyone's doing this and particularly at the age of 25 where you're like you're hitting your quarter life cri- you're passing your quarter of life crisis yeah and and um you can't help but start gauging success based on what other people what are other doing people are doing yeah other people are doing other people are doing this um other people have like <laughs> like engaged married or whatever and doing this this and this and it's it's still something that i'm feeling as a 37 year old where like people are like yeah people are doing this and this and this i mean i only moved i only moved to my own place when i was 33 uh whereas when i was 25 i had slightly older friends doing that doing right that kind of stuff and i feel like it's and i feel like this song kind of almost almost doesn't feel like it should be as kind of meaningful and as lyrically kind of interesting as it is um mm-hmm. and i think one of my and it also has perhaps my favorite line my favorite lyric from this year which is um at the very end there's the cor- when the chorus is repeating she starts doing these kind of not ad libs but kind of like refrains where she's talking like um it's getting pretty clear that my personal best is not good enough oh like very, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and she's and that goes on for this trial and stuff and that that line that opens that up i think is kind of it's very pop punk it feels yeah. very much like it feels like almost tom delong uh, i was gonna say it feels yeah. blink 182 absolutely yeah, yeah it yeah. feels like it's a tom, it feels like tom delong wrote it uh, yeah but it's that but it's that very self-deprecating um nature like nature of the song and it's probably my favorite song of the year as well i think it's a brilliant piece of a uh, kind of lovely reference song so i agree I totally agree. That one definitely stood out. And I mean, does that one open the record? I feel like, or it's like third or second or something. It's second. It's second. second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's quite a triumph right at the beginning of the record. And I feel like the only other one that stood out to me in my mind was um, hot boys. And that was purely because like, when I started listening to it, I was like, what does this remind me of? And I realized it was like, for whatever reason, maybe it was because of, again, those influences we talked about, but it gave me like early 2000s like bowling for soup like 1985 mm-hmm. i don't know what it was but it was like very inherently nostalgic and again for a, a new artist for a young artist i feel like that's such a that's an incredible feat to like bring me back to like when i was like seven or eight listening to like bowling for soup and watching all these music yeah. videos so yeah. yeah i felt that one was a good one too that's another one that has a guest vocalist uh guest vocalist on so the second verse is sung by a singer called vg um, oh yeah. oh that's right yes it does say that on the you're right you're right yeah um so yeah so and i think because when when she when she was touring during in september um vg was actually supporting her so during that song she oh that makes sense and sing that that bit and stuff again very unafraid like and, and i say unapologetic and i mean that genuinely yeah. because i think her style truly truly shows that it's a yeah. it's a really exciting record i definitely um again this is why i love having you on the podcast matt because you always challenge me to look in these new yeah. new new artists in a, in a different way which is great um before you leave uh, us today i also wanted to ask you if you have a favorite memory of the year of 2022 what are you leaving with uh into 2023 um i think perhaps le- leaving i'm aiming and hopefully i mean by the time recording i haven't done it yet but i think i'm on the verge of finally breaking 50 gigs a year um so, so like, exciting uh, yeah so yeah um so i'm quite going in, into going to shows and stuff and particularly as 
2022 was like the first year in a long while where I could probably do that from the start of the year. Um, like probably part of me is probably still catching up of all the ones I missed in 2020. But yeah, exactly. Still back to my system and stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, I think live music's coming back. I think um, perhaps the attendance in some places isn't as much as it is still, but um, but that's something I feel that's nationwide over here mm-hmm. um, across all sorts of different music and it's only kind of certain bands that will fill places at the moment but yeah i think um being able to kind of experience live music and try not to take it for granted and stuff has just been a, a great thing and i know for a fact that um the end of this year my final gig of the year which is going to be the 17th of december um is going to be a hometown gig for johnny foreigner who i think was my answer for last year i think you're back. right yeah. yeah. So like, they was in London and I remember traveling down to London to um see them kind of their first gig in about six years. And this is gonna be their first hometown gig in like six years. And it's amazing. It's fifteen minutes down the road in the car, so I'm quite looking forward to it. So oh, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice ending for um a year of good a year of good live music for me, I think. All right, and back for uh, another episode. One of my favorite podcast guests are joining us this evening. Hello, Andrita. Hi, Kiara. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming back on the pod, Andrita. It's been a little bit, but I'm excited that you're here to talk about your favorite release of 2022. So can you tell our listeners which album you were talking about today? Absolutely. So my favorite release of 2022 is Drumroll. Drumroll. Four songs by Blood Orange. Amazing. Um, like the title says, four songs before wonderful songs that I'm so excited to get into, you know, a deeper discussion on, on how they made me feel, what I enjoyed about it. And also your thoughts as well. I'm not sure. Was it the first time you had listened to four songs? It was. Yeah. When you said that this was the album you wanted to talk about, I was like, perfect. Cause I have not heard this record yet. So I was definitely excited to uh, learn a little bit more about it. Um, for our listeners, just so they know, uh, this alternative EP was released on September 16th, 2022 under RCA and it marked Blood Orange's first EP in three years, but it has been a huge year for Blood Orange as he was recruited to support just a very small artist that probably not a lot of people know about, you know, his name's Harry Styles. I don't know. Andrew, if you've heard of him before. <laughs> I, I don't know. He's uh <laughs> is he going to get big one day? Do you think? I'm not I sure. I think he's like very indie. Early. Like we'll see if he has what it takes, but you know, he just sold out 15 shows at Madison square garden and blood orange was there as a supporting act, which is amazing. Um, And in terms of the album, Dazed and Confused magazine called the EP Downbeat, Sultry, and Sharply Produced Classic Vintage Blood Orange. So, Indrita, I've got to ask, what do you love about this record? I love, quite possibly, everything about it. And it's one of those records that the more you listen to it, the more it grows on you. And each song may fit into a different season of your life and what you're going through. And I just feel like I really relate to it. Um, When it first came out at September 16th, the song that, you know, most resonated with me was the title was the, sorry, not title, the first song, uh, Jesus Freak Lighter. Um, And it was just, you know, an excellent way to start off um, the album, just a, a great sort of beat. But then the more I've, I've worked through it, I think the two that, resonate with me is, um, something, you know, Mm -hmm. and wish, um, and currently, yeah, my favorite one is something, you know, it's just, uh, what I've been playing constantly. I think it's the lyrics that, uh, that get me on that one. 
Absolutely. It's a very, I I was going to say it's a lyric heavy album, but I don't know if that's even the right way to describe it because as you're listening to it, it's something that I found like in, you know, last week when we decided this is what you're going to talk about. So I've been listening to it, you know, while I work, it's an easy, like passive listen. If you have something else to do, or like, if you're having people over, it's great to have in the background. And I hate labeling artists or albums as background music, because I know that that's not the intention, but it really was able to create a vibe in, you know, whatever I was doing and um, whether that was like going out for a nice evening walk here in cold Canada, where we are, um, or just like, you know, sitting by the tree, like my Christmas tree is up with like a glass of wine and it just kind of helped me settle. Like it was very centering in a way too. Exactly. And I think what you said is so apt that, you know, it's not that it's lyric heavy. It's, um, but basically it's so poetic. Uh, is what I find about something, you know, um, it's the, just the way, you know, he sings, um, everything is absurd, you know, extended from your own birth. I just, I don't know why, but it's that line that, that really, I feel like resonates with me. Everything Mm -hmm. is absurd in our lives. It's, you know, we have to take everything day by day and it's just sort of the poeticness, the openness of the lyrics that I find. It just can kind of relate to what I'm going through, what I'm feeling. And of course the melody, the beat, um, it just, it makes me, it makes me a little melancholic, I have to say. And I know mm-hmm. that others kind of said the same about the album, but it's in a way that it really is like a background or a soundtrack to life. Like it has ups, yeah. it has downs, it has, you know, the good, the bad, the sad. Totally. <laughs> and so I feel like it captures life in four songs. And um, I think that's why I, I always put it on, like you said, when I'm walking to work, when I'm commuting home, at work sometimes when I just need to put on some music. It's just um, an EP that accompanies, I feel like, every um, part of my life. And I think that's why it's my favorite of 2022. Absolutely. I love that. I I feel like, you know, songwriters who have maybe taken a bit of a hiatus, much like Blood Orange has in the last few years, COVID changed all of us, right, in our perspective. So I feel like that almost gave Blood Orange a little bit more... um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? In, like, I want to say the word inspiration for maybe this record. And maybe that's why it is so raw and relatable to us is I feel like, you know, the absurdity lyric that you just quoted, like that's kind of how life has felt for us. Like absurd yeah. is actually a really good way to put that's it. Perfect. If you think about the last two years of our lives, right. With going through the pandemic. So, um, I really did. I, I was so glad that you suggested it. Cause I always love discovering new artists and new music, but you know, this wasn't the first time I had heard of blood orange because I saw blood orange open up for Florence and the machine. And you were at that show too, which I, I want to say was what 2018, 2019. Like, I think you're right. It, yeah. it was, uh, one of the two, the pre-pandemic days, <laughs> the pre-pandemic days. It was at Budweiser stage. And, uh, I had never heard of blood orange uh, up, in, up until that moment. And then obviously, you know, to be selected to accompany acts like Florence and the Machine and Harry Styles, like he clearly has a very good grasp on who he is and what he's about. And other artists recognize that too. Like game recognizes game, 100%. Absolutely. And he is just, you know, a pretty, he's produced, a, you know, so many amazing um, songs for other artists. So yes, he's sort of like, right. you know, his producer credits, his composing um, credits as well. He's um, composed, you know, Music and soundtracks for Luca Guadagino's um, We Are Who We Are. We yes, I think that's you're right. What it's called. And the, the no, Naomi. No, yeah, the Osaka documentary, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Which I still haven't seen, but I absolutely need to given my, it's like an overlap of all my interests. Like I know I was going to say, like, Osaka. I don't like know the perfect documentary for you. It is. And maybe I may watch it tonight. I'm like totally and utterly inspired. So he, you know, I think his credentials speak for himself, the respect he has um, amongst his peers and, you know, others in the music industry. And I feel like this release is just a perfect sort of, you know, little bit for us to hang on to while, uh, you know, an album I think is yes. In the works hopefully is in the works is going to come out. Um, but for now, this is exactly hold it's tiding me over. (laughs) Absolutely. I have to say too, you know, like I, as I was listening to it, I really got some interesting, I, I drew some interesting comparisons. Let's just say, you know, the first track, like Jesus Freak Lighter, that actually gave me more Radiohead. Um, mm-hmm. Like Radiohead mixed with a little bit of like Daniel Caesar. That's kind of how I interpreted a lot of the record. But just, you know, like even when you first listen to the EP, there's those like static sounds. Like it, it's a very and I say the word centering again, because it just like, it grabs you right away. You're, it's almost like uncomfortable when you're listening to it in headphones. You're like, Ooh, okay. I'm listening. Like I'm, I'm here for you it. You have my attention. You have my attention. Exactly. I think he does a great job with that. And I have to say too, I loved listening to, um, uh, relax and run because yes. I think there's it's such a smoothness. And, you know, when dazed and confused magazine said it was downbeat, I was like, that's so true because if I listen to that track, especially everything is in the pocket, like everything just yeah. kind of flows so beautifully. Um, so that's been probably my favorite song to listen to as of late, but overall a really strong EP. Exactly. And I think just, you know, the, the critical success is following him as an artist. So that's why I can't wait for what's next. And I think how you described it, you're trying to place his sound Radiohead, Daniel Caesar. I think that's the interesting part about blood oranges music is that you can't label it. Um, right. it, it doesn't fit into any sort of specific genre it it sort of is its own it takes inspiration from everything and I think uh that's why it's you know I think it appeals to a lot of uh individuals definitely I think that's very well said I love that point um now to turn a little bit on uh, Andrita to our next subject matter we like to end off our little year-end sessions with a bit of a high note on uh some of the favorite memories of the past year so can you share with our listeners um a favorite memory that you have of the year uh that would be that would be lovely Oh, thank you. Well, honestly, as soon as you told me to give some thought to this, the first thing that came to my mind was actually going to see Blood Orange uh, open up for Harry Styles in New York City in the famous Madison Square Garden. Um, It was truly a surreal night. I'm such a huge fan of Blood Orange. So to have, you know, the group open up for the world's biggest pop star in the world's biggest stage um, Mm -hmm. was probably like the most incredible experience of the year. It took place in September and I'm still on a high off of it in uh, (laughs) mid-November. I just, I don't think anything could top it. It was, you know, they just put on such a wonderful show that I only wanted more songs to be performed. I felt like, I was like, oh my goodness, it's done already. Um, So hopefully, you know, he like they they will tour and I'll be able to see them again. But, uh, and then obviously Harry Styles was just you know, it, it's, he speaks for himself. I, I have no words. It was that incredible. It was what I felt like I, you know, I was in the midst of Beatlemania of mm. like the Gen Z basically. <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. That's a good point. 
I I was going through my phone uh, to listen to, you know, the snippets of the videos I took and I couldn't hear Harry Styles due to the drowning, you know, noise of, of, of screaming young teenage girls. So it, it just tells you everything you need to know It's just the crowd was going, you know, crazy for for Harry. And it was uh a once in a lifetime experience. I'm so glad I got a chance to go. And of course, be in the city, um, the sights, the sounds, um, the food. So that was definitely a highlight. Not a bad way to spend your birthday weekend. That's not that's a bad sure. way. No, I, and I don't think I'll be, I'll be able to top a birthday weekend like that. <laughs> And for our last year-end wrap-up session, I am so pleased to welcome back an old friend of the pod, Lauren. Lauren, what's up, girl? Woo, what's up? <laughs> Thank you for coming back. It's been a minute since you've been on the podcast, but I'm happy that you're here to wrap up 2022. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. I was also trying to think if our last one that we did together was, was it Bonnie Bear? Bonnie Bear, Bear yeah. I think. Okay, yeah. And so much has happened. So much has happened that was like 2020. That was like worlds away. Honestly, I was in a different apartment. Like yeah. you know, it was crazy. Bonnie Bear has done many different things since then. So I'm sure we'll have to see ever. Yeah. We'll have to regroup on all of these things at a later date, but I'm happy to have you here tonight with me. Lauren, let's not keep anyone in suspense. What is your favorite album of the year? Well, if anyone happens to listen to the pod and also follow me on Instagram, it'll be no surprise uh, that it's the 1975. Uh, and specifically, it is their brand new album, Being Funny in a Foreign Language. And I am so glad you chose this because I swear to God, if I wasn't going to get to talk about this album on the podcast this year, I was going to be so sad. Um, You're like, I'll just throw in like a little bonus episode. I, know. I was like, and also about me. Um, but uh, <laughs> to share some info with our listeners, uh, this is the 1975's fifth full length album. And it was released on October 14th, 2022 under Dirty Hit. Um, we know this all too well, Lauren, but the band was due for a major tour in 2020 and they were promoting their record called notes on a conditional form both lauren and myself had tickets we were gonna be in the pit at budweiser stage in toronto we were so I'm excited <laughs> and it was literally may 2020 so like a mere two months after the pandemic and we were like it, it could still happen you know it never Stranger things. Outdoor theater. It might yeah. be okay. <laughs> so optimistic and so wrong were we that that show was going to happen. So literally since then, I think you and I and fans have been waiting for this record. Um, and while the world was on lockdown, very sneaky lead singer Maddie Healy teased new music under the band's old name, Drive Like I Do. And then the band the band deactivated their social media accounts, and so everyone knew something was coming. There was some sort of announcement that was coming our way. And their first single came out in July 22, and it was called Part of the band and I remember you texted me immediately when the song dropped <laughs> you were like have you listened to it yet you're like it's like Bonnie Bear it's great and I was like no I haven't but I'll text you as soon as I listen to it god yeah it, oh, I forgot that I said that <laughs> yeah I remembered because then I listened to it and I was like it is like Bonnie Bear I was like what are we in for um and it, it was followed by a couple more singles we heard happiness I'm in love with you and all I need to hear the album went silver in the UK and Metacritic gave it an 82% approval rating and then NME called the album Matt Healy's most contradictory and intriguing yet hmm which I kind of agree with, but I before say, that is very accurate. Yeah. But before <laughs> I get into my take on the album, Lauren, I have to ask you, why do you, why is this your favorite record record of the year? Why do you love this album? Um, I think very simply, I love this album because like 
every single track is a hit. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't miss on a single one. Cause I feel like in in your normal pod uh, format, there's always kind of the, you know, the highlights and the lowlights of of the album. I'm like, I literally don't think I could choose that for this album. Like every single one is, has some sort of redeeming factor to it. Yes. Um, You know, they're not all my absolute fave, but every single one I wouldn't skip. And I think that's a big win. Yeah. In any album, that's a huge win because like, I, I always said, if you've got, you know, at least three songs on an album that you can't get enough of, like that's a fucking hit. I think it was actually someone from Arcade Fire who might've said that uh, back in the day. And I heard it and I was like, yes, I totally identify with this. This (laughs) album is 10 tracks long and like as a unit impenetrable so good it was so, so good, good. I, remember, I think I wasn't even able to listen to it the day that it came out you weren't and I was like devastated I was like I had meetings all day I didn't get to and I was like I wanted to be able to sit down and listen to the whole thing not just like pepper it throughout the day yeah so I like dedicated the whole next day to listening to it and I was like mind blown like it was so good it was so good because I was probably texting you and just like harassing you where I was like okay I've listened <laughs> I'm ready to discuss. Are yeah, you ready to discuss? And you're like, not yet. Uh, <laughs> but I, I totally feel the same way you do. And I mean, like, it is no surprise. You and I are both massive 1975 fans. Like we've, we've talked about it on the pod before and that show, the level of disappointment I had in 2020 was massive just in general. But for that show specifically, that would have been my third time, I think seeing them. And I was just so excited and to go with you because we never went together. Yeah. So I was like together, get right up close. Like, yes. And just when you have someone at a concert who matches your energy, it's like, it's perfect. It's perfection. So I was so excited. And I feel like with this album, what I love is that it's a clear, like growth curve for them. Like, yeah, it's, I read, I think it was pitchfork. Somebody said, but they were like, it's a tighter, it's a tighter album. And I was like, that's actually a really good way to describe it because sometimes like the bouncy flounciness of some of their other albums, it's a little like chaotic. This is so controlled. It's, it's very much like a, what are they controlled chaos, I guess would be the the term, but yeah. do you know what I'm trying to say? Like it's totally, yeah. It's like it's, beauty it's behind very, the madness or something. Um, I don't want to say that their other albums were not like well-planned, but it seems like the amount of thoughtfulness that went into each of these songs and yes. like, even in the way that they've ordered them on, on the album, like yes. everything just seemed to work. It's like, okay, you guys put a lot, a lot of thought into this. So it was yeah, meticulous. It, 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 yeah meticulous it was meticulous like even just as like a a side note but even the very last song of the album right at the very end and I only listened like I was listening in the car today and I only noticed this literally today the piano sounds there's these piano sounds that come in at the very end of the last song which I think is when we're when we are together I think and that those are the same piano sounds that start the title track, like the 1975 title Whoa, track. Really? It's, so it's like a blink and you'll miss it type of thing, but I'm like, it's cyclical. It's all connected. So if you were to listen to that album on repeat, it would just flow right back into the That's track. what happened to me today because it was on repeat so and cool. it just like flowed in. I was like, what the heck? I was like, how did I never notice that before? So yes, like, attention to detail. <laughs> Honestly, it was like deja vu. Yeah, but it was oh so, so well done. So, you know, we've kind of given the listeners a bit of a taste of why we love this album so much, but like, let's get into the nitty gritty. So like, what are your what little that's not English <laughs> what are some of your favorite tracks off the album Ooh, okay I think we're gonna have a lot of overlap because we may have talked about this <laughs> it's okay it's okay um it, I thought about it for a long time and my number one track is wintering 
I love that one too. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> that was one that I think right away we were both like, we like wintering. Like it was very, it was yeah. very clear. Cause it was like, it was like old school 1975 mixed with new school. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, it brought that like chocolate and girls era into this album. Yes. Which is like when I fell in love with them. So I'm like, I really appreciated the song. Um, and it's also just like very cheeky. Like it has a lot yes. of personality in it. Um, it's yeah, fast. I don't know. It felt more like vulnerable too. Cause like I, it's them not necessarily talking about like real family members. I have no idea if they're actual real people, but I'm yeah. like, like based off of people. Based, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you get a little glimpse into like, you know, what their lives would be like growing up. Um, and I, when I was, uh, I was listening to these songs on YouTube because I wanted to see any like music videos or anything that they were doing. And I got like really deep into 1975 YouTube. Oh, and I saw a video of Maddie Healy, um, when he was probably like, I don't know, 18 or 19. Like he was a baby oh. and he was singing on a train platform, like really late at night. And I was just like, wow like it was like such a cool look into being like oh you were probably just hanging out at the train station with your pals yeah song and it's like oh yeah I love like those moments that like humanize them a little bit um absolutely see how far they've come yes yeah exactly do you okay because I've seen some debate online do you think this is a Christmas song because I will say Mm -hmm. it's on my Christmas playlist Oh, I love that. Because Christmas is mentioned, it's mentioned. And it's like coming home. I'll be home on the 23rd. I'll drive home on the 23rd. <laughs> and immediately I was like, for Christmas, obviously. Yeah. It's and literally like the 1975 version of I'll be home for Christmas. Basically. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you see all your family, like all the quirky, like kooky characters that live in your family. I was like, I think this is a Christmas song. And it's on the playlist. It's like yeah. Alicia Keys Christmas, Michael Bublé yeah. Christmas, 1975. Obviously. <laughs> Back to Shania. <laughs> that's that's Um, one of my faves as well yeah i i would totally agree it could go on the christmas playlist any day um i also um i did we mention that we're going to see them uh no we haven't very soon like so soon (laughs) i think actually you know what probably we'll see them before this episode comes out okay yeah 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 yeah. we will have seen them when this comes out so you betcha i'm excited for them um but I have a really good friend that also really loves the band uh, and her birthday is actually December 23rd. So I feel like this song like just reminds me of her as well, because it's like reminds me of her birthday and that we both really love them. Um, I love that. I I went to the last concert with her as well. Her and and my other friend, um, her husband. Um, But uh, yeah, so it makes me think of her too. And she actually, she mentioned that they went and saw them earlier they went and saw the connecticut show because they're going to be on their honeymoon when this show's happening in we love it yeah we love it but she was like they didn't play wintering at that show oh like i'm hoping that because you see them in december that they're going to play wintering so if it plays i have to send her a video of them done (laughs) perfect we'll make sure we put the beers down for that video and we just focus on getting it for your friend but i hope they play it i really like that one i really hope they play it too i think they have to pick and choose but i'm hoping that they they put it on the set list i agree i agree okay that's there's a lot of chatter about this song any other ones that you love on this record (laughs) yes um i'd say my second favorite is uh oh caroline that's a really good one too yeah Yeah. that one's almost got like a 80s vibe to it i love it 100 like the really like funky guitar like 
you know, it's, uh, and I, I looked into it cause I was like, I wonder who Caroline is. Like, who is this girl that has stolen Maddie Healy's heart? <laughs> um, and apparently it's nobody like, <laughs> Oh, rude. Okay. Yeah. He was like in this speculation, like people, I think there is someone named Caroline that was like in his past and he's like, it's not her. Don't read into that. I literally just needed a name that was three syllables. <laughs> Uh oh no my name's two syllables and your name's two syllables okay couldn't make it work yeah. wouldn't work wouldn't work i know he, that was... he wanted to put us in it but he just couldn't make it work for this one it's fine i yeah. will it's, it's only because of the syllables though that's literally the only reason exactly um but the thing that made me love the song even more is when i was looking into it i found out that apparently maddie healy's dad uh this is also his favorite song <laughs> really that's so cute adorable oh my god i love that you like sweet you and mr healy are on the same wavelength totally we have the exact same taste yeah we both think his son is super talented and (laughs) you're like that's the bulk of it yeah you know we could bond we could bond on that we could go home on the 23rd and then you know hang out with his dad (laughs) exactly no that one's that one's great that one sticks out on the album for me as well and I feel like it it might have taken me a couple times I think to come around as having that one be one of my favorites um but I I also like that one I I wanted to ask your opinion on one of my favorites on the album which was a single which is I'm in love with you well, that was actually my third favorite song on my list. So perfect. that is perfect. <laughs> and the reason I bring it up is because I feel like especially this music video brings me back to old 1975 because it's black and white with the clown makeup. Like that's literally um, the the video for what is it? Change of Heart where he's in the oh clown God, makeup. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, is this like 2016 all over again? Like what is happening? <laughs> like, I felt like it was just this beautiful full circle moment of like, you know, him kind of interpretive dancing. And that song is just so happy. And Phoebe Bridgers makes an appearance and I love her. So it was oh, just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was just, it's, it's a standout on the album for me for sure. And it's like, it's so feel good. And like, yes. you know, even people that don't necessarily love 1975, I feel like this is a song that you could put on and like everybody would be jamming out. Absolutely. Like at a wedding. Hell yeah. Yeah. This was actually at my friend's wedding. So perfect. Even better. <laughs> I think it was our, and I'm really sorry, Justin, I'm sorry if this is wrong. Um, but it was our like walking in song as the like bridesmaids and groomsmen. Oh, cute. Like, what we walked into the hall dancing to. Yeah. It was great. That's such a, that's a perfect pick. I right? love that. Yeah. I'm stoked. I'm absolutely stoked. Um, Well, look, Lauren, we're coming up on the end of our time together. So I love that you love this album just as much as I do. And thank you for bringing the same energy to the podcast as you always do. Um, As we look forward, you know, we're coming on the end of the year and we're going to be heading into a new year. Um, I've just been asking, asking our guests to share a favorite memory of 2022 with our listeners. So what comes to mind when you think back on this year? Um, I think... And I'm going to cheat and split it between. Please do. Three. <laughs> but the re, okay, three, girl, I get it. Three of my best friends all got married this year. <laughs> oh, that's so, so I nice. Like, I know this was like the year of weddings. And I know that that's kind of like the time in our life that's happening. Yeah. But they're my favorite events to be at because there's like so much love. There's so many like fun times with people like the dance floor with our friend group is always so full um but yeah so I I look back on those and I'm like oh these are days that I will remember for the rest of my life and I 
was really lucky to be a part of two of them. Like I was in two of the parties. Aww. So yeah, there's like a lot of love this year, which I think we really needed. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, years. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself, girl. Absolutely. I'm so glad you had that experience and good memories to carry into the new year for sure. And I wish you all the best in 2023, Lauren. And I can't wait to see 1975 in a few weeks, couple oh weeks. <laughs> All right. And to wrap up our year end wrap up session, I am now going to alone into the void. Talk to you guys a little bit about some of my favorite releases, uh, culminating in my number one favorite album of the year for 2022. So let's uh, let's count down our my top five. Uh, first, I want to quickly mention uh, coming in at the number five spot is self-titled by Marcus Mumford. This is Marcus Mumford's first solo effort. Um, obviously, he's the lead singer of the highly successful alt-folk band Mumford & Sons. So honest, so captivating. Speaks a lot to his childhood trauma and his healing and his frustrations with that. Um, just a beautifully, beautifully written record and a huge regret of mine that I did not see him perform at Massey Hall in Toronto this year. Highly recommend. Please give it a listen. Um, also want to talk about Stick Season by Noah Kahan. Uh, I think that album was incredible. And that one snuck up on me. I didn't know a lot about Noah Kahan, but I fell in love with this record immediately upon hearing it. Um, love the song Northern Attitude. I think that's probably my favorite one off the record, but Halloween is great. Stick Season, the title track is also great. It's like the perfect mix. To be honest, it's kind of the perfect mix of like uh, of folk and pop and alternative and rock. It's got it all bundled into one. I think he's a very, very talented songwriter. Then I got to talk about uh, being funny in a foreign language. Obviously, we just heard from my good pal Lauren on how much she loved that record. And I agree. You probably heard me say enough about it. So I'm not going to divulge any further details, but wonderful record from the 1975. Coming in at number two, which it was a big toss up between these last two albums for me. But in the number two spot, we have Surrender by Maggie Rogers. Um, I feel like I could relate to this album I just felt like I'm maybe in the same life stage as Maggie Rogers was when she decided to write this record and I just think she's this very powerful uh, female indie singer songwriter and uh, I love you know that's where I am I love horses I've got a friend anywhere with you is probably my top one off of this album it just puts me in such a great space if I'm feeling sad I listen to this record if I'm feeling happy I listen to this record I think she does incredible things and in the number one spot of 2022 my absolute favorite album that is Are You Happy Now by Jensen McRae, released on March 22nd, 2022 under Human Resource. Um, if you haven't heard of Jensen McRae, I would understand it. I know she's probably not the biggest name in music right now, but she is a mere 25 years old. She's incredibly uh, genuine and honest and just mature singer-songwriter. Um, and what I loved most about the record was her being so specific in her experiences, but making the songwriting and the subtleties of her guitar work broad enough that you could feel exactly what she was trying to make you feel in that moment. So, you know, she writes about her time growing up. Uh, you know, she's, she grew up in a multiracial household uh, and she wasn't feeling beautiful. And so she has this three-part series on the record, a three-part song series, I should say, called Headlock, um, which is all about her parents' efforts to make her understand her, her heritage and how she should uh, be proud of herself. 
She also talks about sexual assault and and trauma associated with that on the track Wolves, about self-hatred and this journey that she was on to, to love and grow on the song Make You Proud. The entire album is just meticulously put together and it's just so gut-wrenching at times, but then there's other songs where she can almost like make you laugh you know she's got this song called immune which uh for me hearing it during the pandemic was like huge because it's kind of about a breakup that happens like at a mass vaccination site and I was like oh relatable content um you know the the first couple tracks she released were immune um starting to get to you and wolves those came out over the last couple years she had a she had a um what's it called an ep that came out as well uh, i believe in 2021 but this was like her first full-length effort when all these songs kind of came into play and then she's got this great one about machines and you know questioning questioning god and you know what life is about and it's just my God, it's, there's, there's something so incredibly raw about this record that I just, I, I, I can't say enough good things about it. And if I tried, I think I would just end up stammering my way through these last couple minutes of the pod. So I am going to leave it at that. And I'm going to say, if you haven't found your favorite record of 2022 yet, give this one a listen and, and you might be pleasantly surprised. And on that note, I have to give one final thank you um, both to my amazing guests who helped me out on this latest episode of the podcast, as well as uh, my listeners and everyone who continues to support the podcast. You guys have been amazing. I really appreciate it. I know this year has been a quieter year for the podcast. We really focused in on the short form series, but I promise you I'm going to continue to cook up things in the new year. So thank you for sticking with it. Whether you're celebrating or not this holiday season, I do wish you a happy holiday and a wonderful 2023. And uh, we will see you in the new year year. Cheers.